the Virgin Radio Pridecast, proudly supported by Disney Plus, full of stories and love for all. Good evening. This is Virgin Radio Pride. My name is Christian Hugill, and welcome to my home city, Leicester. Home to, well, Red Leicester Cheese, De Montfort University, the biggest Caribbean carnival outside of London in the country. Oh, and it's also the place I fell in love. Not actually with a person, although that would come a few years down the line. Instead, I fell in love with this. The fans of Leicester City inside this great stadium making real noise. Leicester City Football Club. And if you're listening to this and you're not a football fan, you're probably thinking, love, behave. But trust me, that's kind of the only word that does it justice. Let me try and just briefly explain why. Let's go back to 2002. Christina Aguilera's timeless banger, Dirty, had just been released. And on the 23rd of November, I was just 11 years old. Now, I'm 30 now, but I promise you, I can remember that day so vividly. Because after years of nagging, it was the date my dad first took me to a football match. He picked the closest team to where we lived, so on a cold, damp, grey Saturday in November, I went to watch Leicester City host Rotherham. Oh, the glamour. I loved every part of that day. And not just because they won, well, because of this, what I'm doing now, the walk along this very road to the stadium, spotting the other fans in Leicester City blue tops getting more and more frequent, knowing they were going where we were going. The smell of the burger vans, the shouts of the matchday programme sellers, hearing the atmosphere get louder and louder as we approached this. The King Power Stadium, or the Walker Stadium as it was known then, Leicester City's 32,500 seat home. Once you get inside, through the clang of a turnstile, you pass the pie stands, climb the stairs to your seats and come out of the relative darkness of the concrete inner heart of the stadium and you're met with a massive sea of green turf, blue seats and floodlights. Combine it with Leicester's famous post-horn gallop that's the trumpety song you heard earlier, that gets played as our heroes in blue walk onto the pitch to do battle. It truly is one of the most exciting feelings in the world. The noise, the atmosphere, the groups of friends who come together once every couple of weeks just to share this moment. And that's the best bit of it all. Everyone you're surrounded by has something in common. The love, the passion, the sense of belonging, community. I honestly see this place as a second home. Everyone here for one thing. Everyone on the same side. Or are they? Well, as it turns out, not always. This on Virgin Radio Pride is the rise of LGBT plus football fan groups. Hello, Graham Smith. Hello, Christian. Are you all right? <laughs> Very well. How are Good. you? Very well, thank you. Fancy to chat about football? Always want to chat about football. Excellent. Hello, I'm Graham Smith. I'm the chair and co-founder of Fox's Pride, which is Leicester City's LGBT plus fan group. 
absolutely blowing a gale in proper British summertime fashion. Shall we go in there and get a drink? Yeah, all right. We're at the home of Leicester City to chat to Graham and we'll come to him a bit more in a sec. I really wanted to come here to talk to him because, as I say, this place means so much to me. After that first match against Rotherham, I was hooked. My dad was brilliant enough to take me to pretty much every game here for the next couple of seasons. As I got older, started to go with mates and this stadium and going to the football had become a big part of my life. As I reached the early teenage years, I was passionate about two sports, really, football and Formula One. I loved going to the football, loved watching F1, and was even lucky enough to race karts. So my life was dominated by sport. My head was dominated by something else, though. Hello, mate. Can I get a pint of Budweiser and a pint of lime and soda, please? And a packet of salt and vinegar kettle chips? Thanks, buddy. Graham, I was probably 14 or so when I first realised I might be gay. And at the time, I was coming here every week. Everyone remembers those early, oh, my God, I might be gay moments, don't they? That's not just me. No, I, I, I suppose that isn't just you. I mean, certainly for me, I've never really not known that I right. was gay. I think I've known it from a very, very, um, very, very early age. But, yeah, no, you're, you're right. And actually, I think when you come to the football, that can be, it can certainly be a challenging environment. Actually, I, I know I, I didn't come out till I, was, um, till I was 30. That was kind of a milestone I set myself. I need to do it by the time I become 30. And so, yeah, that's who, I know what you mean. thing is, on that, I heard casual homophobia at the football all the time. I've got this distinctive memory of a guy who used to sit behind us. We had a season ticket, so we used to sit in the same seat week in, week out. He would so often make homophobic slurs if players went down easily or the ref made a mistake. And every time, there's me sit thinking I can't be gay, every time I came to the football and heard that, I remember just thinking to myself, well, I can't be gay, can I? Because listen to that, you just can't be gay and into sport. Did you ever have similar feelings? I did. I think every single time I came to the football and um, I heard something, it obviously made me uncomfortable. I say, As someone that came out later in life, it didn't necessarily make me feel unsafe because obviously... No one knew that I was gay around me, but it certainly made me feel unwelcome. And that's one of the reasons why, of course, Fox's Pride came into being when we, when we set it up. For me, years passed. Eventually, I stopped pushing the feelings away, battling them, and accepted that I'm gay. More time passed before I eventually came out to my friends and family. It was all OK in the end. It wasn't easy. It took time, but we got there. Graham actually taught at my school, and while our paths didn't really cross much there, a mutual friend introduced us a few years back. I was working as a news and sport presenter for a big national radio station, and Graham, who's a head teacher and lifelong City fan, had started Leicester City's LGBT plus fan group, Fox's Pride. I suppose we should explain at this point, what is an LGBT football fan group? So an LGBT uh, football fan group is a group, well Fox's Pride describes it as uh, we are a group for LGBT people who support Leicester City and their friends and allies. So we exist to make sure that the LGBTQ plus community have a safe place to enjoy football. We do all we can to make the King Power Stadium a safe place for the LGBT fans. So what you spoke about earlier uh, in, your, in your youth when you're hearing LGBT slurs, that's hopefully something we wouldn't be hearing today part of the work we do. It's, I don't know if you know this, it's almost exactly four years 
since you asked me to be a patron of Fox's Pride. I was obviously very proud to accept that. But to be completely honest with you, I've definitely never said this to you before, until that point, I don't think I properly thought about and realised that hearing homophobia at football was one of the reasons why I spent so many years battling my sexuality. I guess that's kind of a reason why these groups are so important. Yeah, and you know it is that we we want to we want to give people that safe space. Season on season, Leicester City have kind of upped their game in their work with us, um, and so this year we've obviously had the opportunity to meet with Brendan Rodgers and the senior players to talk to them about the importance of their role. Brendan Rodgers is the Leicester manager. Brendan Rodgers is the Leicester manager. Yeah, um, and we've also had the fantastic opportunity to go and meet with the academy, um, the, the academy group and the under 23s, and actually spoke to them about the importance that they will have as players when they become professional um, and the, the role that they can play as allies and I think that's one of the things that certainly I'm proudest of in working with the club. I think if I'd seen a Fox's Pride rainbow flag in the ground in the corner of the stadium all those years ago if I'd heard the sports presenter on the radio station I loved say yeah I'm gay and look, I'm a sports fan and I'm a sports journalist and if I'd seen this group of visible fans say, look, we're gay and we love football, and guess what, it's all fine, I honestly think I'd have come out sooner. I think that's really nice to hear, thank you. That, that's obviously the reason why, why we do what we do, um, and I'm excited to see where we can go, go next with it. I should make, at this point, something really clear. The homophobia I heard at this stadium all those years ago was far from exclusive to Leicester City. And fast-forward all these years later... And some of the biggest supporters of Fox's Pride are Leicester City Football Club. Leicester City have been amazingly helpful with Fox's Pride, you know, right since the start. And year on year, they've grown their support and, and they've grown what they've done. They don't have any, we're not officially affiliated to the club because they don't have that structure at the club. And so, actually, for them to do what they've done with us, I think shows how absolutely committed they are. And that was demonstrated by their winning of the Football versus Homophobia Award for the professional club this year as a mark of the work they've done, not just to raise a profile of the LGBT community but in their work as well they've also they're also a Stonewall champion employer I think that's what it's called so this isn't just lip service from Leicester City it, it runs through the organisation and that moment you mentioned where two really big name Leicester City players James Madison and Ben Chilwell sat down with you guys and spoke about LGBT plus issues in the game that must have been a really big moment it, it was an amazing moment um, and you know, it was great that Sky Sports put that together um, and we had a fantastic time but it hasn't just been them you know, this season we've sat down uh, with James Madison again but also with Mark Albrighton, uh, Jamie Vardy Yuri Tillemans, I'm going to forget some of the ones that were there uh, Johnny Evans was there and Brendan Rodgers the Leicester City manager was there um, and their openness and willingness to speak about those, those issues was important and what was really gratifying you know, was after we had that conversation um, all the players in the squad posed with the posed with the LGBT flag uh, as part of Rainbow Laces and uh, like I said to them at the time they don't understand and they'll never know but just that little gesture standing with a flag what it says to an LGBT fan can't be underestimated How much of a rewarding experience has setting up and then running Fox's Pride been for you personally Graham? That's a really good question 
I'm very proud of everything Fox's Pride has done. I'm proud because I think we've made a real difference. There's still a lot to do. It's a long way from being right, and I think that's important to say. But I'm proud with how we've done it. I'm proud with the way we've worked with the club, and I'm proud of how the club have come with us. So I, I'm very, very proud. Um, and I can't, I'm, I'm just surprised how, how much it's grown. You know, we are, we are Leicester City's biggest fan group in terms of membership. And that is just, you know, who, who would have thought that five, six years ago? How much of a big part of your life is it now, Fox's Pride? It's probably too big a part, um, <laughs> but, but I, I, I do love it. You know, it, it, there, there is a lot to do and there is still a lot of work to do. And it's not something I, I want to stop being involved with. I, so I'm, I'm very, very proud. You know, I, I'm very fortunate. My, 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 hus- my husband Paul's a treasurer, so that's good. It just, it just really matters, I think. Um, and I don't really want to stop doing it. Sounds like it means quite a lot to you. It does mean an awful lot to me, yeah. I wanted to say to you while we're here, a thank you, really, because... Being able to represent Fox's Pride and be a patron really is important to me, and I, I think it's sort of helped my personal journey with being a gay football fan kind of come full circle. I think it helped my headspace, and I think it helped my relationship with the sport and the mm. team I love and my sexuality. And I don't think I realised that at the time when he first asked me to do it. So thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> it's nice to hear. Virgin Radio Pride. Pride. This is the rise of LGBT plus football fan groups. I'm Christian Hugill, still to come. That was kind of what, what triggered it all, because I didn't do anything. I kind of sat there, looked at my boyfriend, looked at my friends, they all looked at me all sheepish, and none of us knew what to do. And I didn't want to get up and start something in case, you know, God, God forbid, but what if everyone just shouted me down and it just ruined my football? It might have ruined football for me. Claire, I have to say, when I started the process of making this documentary, I didn't think for a minute I'd hear someone say that an LGBT plus fan group has actually saved their life. I, th- I think that's extraordinary. I think it has done because there's times in your life when you feel so, and I, and I have myself, you know, I thought, well, what's it, what's it all about? Is it really worth it all in your name? But it, but you, but it is. But first, Virgin Radio Pride. <laughs> Hello, my name's Zach. I'm a member of Proud Canaries, which is the official LGBT fan group of Norwich City. Rolls it into Ida, inside the area. He's made it two. Oh, what a start for Norwich City. Adam Ida. Magnificent stuff from Norwich. I'm really pleased it exists. I think they were the second official fan group uh, just behind Gay Gooners which is Arsenal's group then in October 2013 Proud Canaries came along and it's grown and grown ever since I joined in 2015 I'm really pleased I did because there's so many good people there and like-minded people and people that have had the same experiences that you have whilst growing up and that's really really vital to have that connection because it's quite easy for for young people to to feel alone you know kind of unique in their situation and not being able to be themselves when they're at the football because it's it's a very manly and, and bantery type of crowd and, and you don't want to give anybody an excuse to direct any banter, as they say, at you. So you just kind of keep quiet, you go along, you don't say anything and you go home, whereas now you can actually get involved. Before all the games, we go to the pub. So that was really nice because you can get involved with the, the pre-match stuff that everybody else kind of experiences that we never have or that I never had. And one thing that I really like about it is that we invite the other groups from across the country 
two meters in the pub. So if we're playing another team that has a, an LGBT fan group, they come to the pub as well. So it's really friendly and you get to discuss the football match between them, between yourselves and it all goes really well. And it's just really nice. You get to meet people all over the country. highlight for me personally is was the proud canaries tournament that was a, a cup it was all officially organized with the club and it was a tournament played on the pitch at Carrow road so i've got to have a go on that and lots of others of us did and we invited other lgbt clubs down um, but we had the opportunity to get changed in the official first team changing room and play on the actual proper pitch with the proper goals but they also had a rainbow kit made up so it was basically the norwich kit from that season but the sponsor um had redone their logo in rainbow and on the back it said rainbow laces and it was really good and i still have that shirt today and sometimes i wear it to matches virgin radio pride this is the rise of lgbt plus football fan groups on virgin radio pride i'm christian hugill and i'm willing to bet that it's not the first time you've heard this song If it is, have a good strong word with yourself. Anyway, it's the song that means the most in the coming out journey of Mish. We're heading from Leicester up to Leeds. Hi, Christian. My name is Mish Keatman and I'm a member of uh, Marching Out Together. And we are the Leeds United LGBTQ plus group. We're chatting first thing on a sunny summer morning over Zoom. Is that your Leicester Fox's pride mug? Yeah, it is. I picked it up when I went to interview Graham at the stadium. It's good, isn't it? Now it's good because they, they've done their Pride one and then this year they updated it and put the, the extra bit on for the trans community and what have you. So I promise I'm not going to spend the entirety of this documentary banging on about Leicester, but there is a link here between Fox's Pride and Marching Out Together. We'll get to that shortly. My football journey started quite early on. My dad's always been a, a football fan of Leeds United and he took me to the grounds back in the um, <clears throat> 80s, um, really not that old, obviously. Um, but uh, we went, uh, we used to go and watch Leeds from the Cop, obviously, and stand in the boys' pen, as it was known. I used to go into the boys' pen, I used to have to pay a pound to go in and stand in the Cop <laughs> back in the days when it was cheap and cheerful. Um, wouldn't be called the boys' pen now, would it? Um, and, uh, yeah, watch, watch Leeds United from a young age. Uh, my brother wasn't into football, so uh, it was me and my dad, and uh, used to love it. It was great. And we should say, Miss, shouldn't we, that if you're not a football fan, Leeds is one of those cities that's obsessed with football. They live, sleep, eat, breathe it. Yes, indeed, we do. Um, it is, it's just It's just a wonderful um, place, and Ellen Road is a ground where I think a lot of I've noticed this year, especially with fans being back in the stadiums, where a lot of fans of uh, of not of not Leeds have sort of said never heard the Leeds crowd so loud, and and even at away games, we are absolutely outstanding. Was there ever a moment in those younger years where where you felt a bit of an unease between football and your sexuality? Yeah, generally, um, yes. I mean, the, the, the racism and the homophobia um, was, was rife back in the 80s. And uh, I remember standing in the grounds with my dad and 
we we had black players, no doubt we probably had LGBTQ players, but we didn't know then. But um, I, I remember feeling very uncomfortable with people stood around me just, just hurling abuse. And sort of at the age of 12, 13, you don't really, it, it unnerves you because that's not, you know, my upbringing or whatever. But, um, and I was probably at that age, probably didn't really, wasn't really aware of my sexuality, but knew that what was right and what was wrong. And uh it wasn't, I didn't always, yeah, didn't always feel good at all standing there. Mish listened to a lot of Cher in the 80s, also the time she started to come to terms with her sexuality. If I could turn back time, if I could find a way. When I was about 19, I, I, I sort of had a, um, a thought that that might be the case and... Um, didn't really do, well, didn't do anything about it because back then um, the 80s wasn't a place that I felt like I could be gay and didn't know anyone, didn't have any sort of support there. There wasn't anyone really I felt I could turn to. And so, uh, yeah, pushed that one away, got got married to a man and had children, of course, which I don't regret because they're wonderful. But um, it didn't wasn't a later life for me that, that, um, that I... Uh, yeah, that, that came came out for want of a best phrase, which there probably isn't. Mish started playing football in Leeds after coming out and got involved in events with groups like Football versus Homophobia, which supports LGBT plus people in and around the game. And this is where we find ourselves back in Leicester. Well, I have to admit, although I obviously I love my March Out Together people, it did start with Fox's Pride. Um, when I moved down to Leicestershire to uh, to be with my um, future wife, who is now my wife, proudly to say, and she's part of Fox's Pride fan group, and I got to uh, to meet the guys from Fox's Pride and uh, came along, went along to games with uh, with her, and I found out about marching out together through um, through Fox's Pride. Didn't realise Leeds had uh, a fan group, and I joined them and, uh, and almost straight away became uh, a member of the committee. What are some of the most important things you've done with Marching Out Together? During the pandemic, through Football versus Homophobia, we were able to do a Zoom call and I was able to to tell a few stories and talk to the under-23s of Leeds United, of some of which have now come into the first team, and uh, explain to them why being an ally and calling out any homophobia they might hear at grounds is really important to what we do and and how we how it's because people think football um and gay things as they call it football lgbtq they don't mix people say that keep it out of football it's it doesn't need to be in football but it's everywhere and if we can't get the word out that it's heard and we hear it and we hear homophobic slurs if we don't call out if we don't speak about it people are not going to go to the grounds and feel like they can be part of football and watch their beloved football team because of that so when I was talking to the under 23s I wanted to make them aware that it that it is still out there and it needs to be uh, brought to attention talk to the stewards and call it out if you hear it and uh, I felt it was a very important um, part of of probably one of the most important things I did for for the committee when I first started on there. And that crosses over into your professional life, doesn't it, Mish? You work with young people. How important is it, do you think, 
to talk to the next generation of footballers while they are still young. Yeah, that's right. I, you know, it start, it start, does start with young people and I don't think anyone sort of is born with hate. I think I think it was Nelson Mandela that said, no, people aren't born to hate. I think we're, we're born to love initially. And I think if we can change the mindsets of people who have may have been brought up by relatives who, who have homophobia or who are racist or all of those things and educate them. Football grounds, it's an important place for young people. And if, if young people, when I was 19, and as I said, I didn't challenge myself to find out what my feelings were about. But if young people have a, a place to go and place to talk to someone about their feelings and they love football, be it male, female, non-binary, gender fluid, whatever it might be, if they can go to a football match and feel it's a safe place for them to be, not a, ha- a hateful place, and they don't hear this language, that's fantastic because I can't imagine a, a, a young person feeling this way and can possibly confused about their identity and then felt that it's a bad thing because that's how I felt growing up, that, that it was a negative thing to be gay. And I think that's the issue at the moment. Uh, people are feeling like it's not a positive thing because of the, the homophobia that's around. I, I had the uh, chance to go and talk to a couple of uh, players for Leicester City a few years ago and explain to them because they they had to they wanted to know from us how it felt to be at a ground and what it felt like to hear homophobia at a football ground. And they were asking questions. It wasn't us just talking to them about football. It was them asking questions about how they can support us and how. And it, I don't, I never underestimate how huge it is when I see players holding up the marching out together flag um, or us going down to the ground and talking during Rainbow Laces week about uh, our group and uh, awareness and education. It's, it's massive. So I'm, I'm super proud of it. Mish, it's been so lovely talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christian. Cheers. This is Virgin Radio Pride. You're listening to the rise of LGBT plus football fan groups on Virgin Radio Pride. I'm Christian Hugill, and this is an absolute tune. Hey, I just met you. Carly Rae Jepsen, Call Me Maybe, one of the UK's biggest selling songs of 2012, and rightly so. It was also the year that the next football stadium we've come to was thrust into global limelight. We're at the Olympic Stadium in London, which nowadays goes by the creatively titled London Stadium. In 2016, it became home too. Euphoric delight all around the London Stadium. They never know when they're down. West Ham United with the breakthrough. West Ham United. Now, we're here to meet a man called Jim, but I can't find him. Guess I could uh, call him. Maybe. Hey, Jim. So we've uh, walked down from the Westfield Centre, uh, literally straight down the path with all the gates in front of it, and we are stood underneath the big West Ham United massive branding sort of at the very front uh, by H block. Morrow with a scruffy finish, a scruffy, gorgeous, delightful finish. West Ham won, Leon Mill. Jim Foundry, lovely to meet you. Nice to meet you too, thank you for speaking to me today. Hi, I'm Jim Dolan. I am founder and co-chair of West Ham United's LGBTQIA plus supporters group, Pride of Irons. We're at London Stadium, uh, the home of football. My second favourite place to be. 
What made you fall in love with football in the first place? Oh, what a question. Uh, my family all supported Spurs, so I hated football to start with. Um, no, like, I just never, I was never into it as a kid. Like, I, I never, I wasn't any good at it. I was always very short as a kid. I um, wasn't very sporty. Same here on both levels. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, my, you know, God bless him. My dad, you know, he talked about Spurs a lot, but he never went. He never really tried to get me into it. And we never sat down and watched football together. So for me, football was this thing that the adults spoke about, but I never really got dragged into it. And then... Um, uh, 2005, six, where West Ham went on the FA Cup run. My mates were all basically forcing me to play football over the park with them, and then go and watch West Ham on telly afterwards. And I just got swept up in it. No, I, I wasn't. You know, I wasn't completely naive. I knew that West Ham were not, a, you know, the best team. I, I knew the, the history, um, and I just got swept up in the romance of a team that people were, you know, always slagging off. And that was it. After that, I was hooked. Uh, the next season, I went to, I can't remember how many games, but as, as many games as I could get to. And then um, season ticket after that and ever since. Did it ever start to, because it did for me, clash with your sexuality at all? It's weird, because when I first started in, like, going to football games, I hadn't yet discovered who I was. I was in my, my sort of early 20s and I was engaged to a, to a young lady. Um, and so it was weird. I came out after I got into football. You'd think, you know, I wasn't into sports. It'd be the non-sporty gay kid who then has trouble getting into football. But instead, I was the non-sporty, thought I was a straight kid and then found football and then found myself. I think definitely in the early years, I didn't notice stuff as much. You know, thinking back to like the, some of the, the chants and songs and stuff, there's definitely a homophobic element to some, some of that stuff. But I think... I was a little bit blind then myself. I hadn't really figured out where I fit in the community or what any of this stuff meant to other people. It's only when I started to really embrace who I was that I realised how different you could be made to feel as an LGBTQIA person at football. And did that prompt getting involved with Pride of Irons? So so what happened was there was, there was we're a game. It was myself, my, my mates who I sat with and uh, my, my boyfriend at the time, Pete, who's now my husband. And I tried to encourage him to get into football because obviously I was. So I was like, yeah, this will be a thing we do together. And uh, then this drunk fella a few rows away from us just started shouting stuff at the ref, at the opposition players, like really, really nasty homophobic stuff, um, like really nasty stuff. Um, and that was kind of what, what triggered it all because I didn't do anything. I kind of sat there, looked at my boyfriend, looked at my friends. They all looked at me all sheepish and none of us knew what to do. And I didn't want to get up and start something in case... You know, God, God forbid, but what if everyone just shouted me down and it just ruined my foot? It might have ruined football for me. Um, people might have, you know, got physical. My friends might have had to feel like they had to step in and I didn't want to put them in that position. But afterwards, I just felt like that was, that was wrong and I felt really ashamed that I didn't do something. How did it feel bringing your boyfriend at the time to the football and you sort of feel like you're inviting him into something that's yours and then that happening that must have been awful that was part of the powerlessness is like you know I, I brought you here I I put you in this situation and now I'm sitting there and you're hearing it and I'm hearing it and we both know what's going on and neither of us is doing anything because we both feel powerless to um, it was horrible it was a really horrible feeling sounds like it's turned into something more positive though where did you go from there in terms of getting involved with Pride of Irons um, so I just put out a tweet because um, I, I knew I was aware of Proud Canaries and Gay Gooners. I knew that these sort of groups had just kind of kicked off. And when was this? Um, this was about February 2014. Um, that, well, that's the date that the Pride of Irons Twitter account started. So that's how I remember. 
and yeah just put something out there's like look this this wasn't a really good experience i just had does anyone else feel like we should probably you know get get to know each other other lgbc fans that if stuff like this happens again maybe you know safety in numbers maybe we can speak to the club and it just kind of spiraled from there um uh, who's the lady is now my friend Lorna I didn't know her at the time she responded to the tweet and she was like yeah this would be a great idea I'm, I'm a bisexual woman I'd be interested and now she's on the committee and has been since the beginning so yeah like, I think officially we've been going for eight years now How does it feel that your kind of relationship with football in that sense has kind of flipped really because you've gone from being that fan feeling powerless at something awful happening in a stadium to kind of actively trying to make sure that that stuff all right it's a long way from being totally eliminated but trying to make sure it happens a bit less it's weird it's very very weird um like we did a stadium tour a while ago and at the end of the tour it had kind of the history of west ham like this kind of like you know photo mosaic type thing and at the end of it it had pride of irons and i was like wow um someone who's put this together has considered us as part of the history and the fabric of this club which is just astounding really satisfying because I think it came from a place of negativity and a bad experience and it's actually turned into something really really positive and really fruitful so it's the ultimate turn of frown upside down scenario you know it it really has become way more than than any of us ever thought or set out for it to become. Does it mean a lot to you because even playing a tiny part in your club's history we know how much football clubs mean to their fans that must be a really cool thing on a personal level for you. Yeah, it, re- it really is. But for me, the biggest satisfaction is actually, you know, when people say to you, like, there's some people who, who I've known for quite a while, we've got season tickets, and one day when we're having a drink before a game, they both told me that they wouldn't have got season tickets if Pride of Vines didn't exist, because now they feel like they're safe going to football. And now they realise, actually, they were safe all along. But it just took having that, you know, that visible representation, that group of people to know, okay, I'm going to take the plunge. And to know that you've had that effect, us as a group, we've had that effect on people's lives where they can feel like they can be part of and enjoy football is the most satisfying thing. Nothing can ever take away that feeling of satisfaction that we've opened up the doors of football to people who previously thought they were shut. My next question was, what difference do the fan groups make? But actually, Pride of Irons has got a really interesting example of trying to make a difference in that sort of thing, hasn't it? It all kind of started a while ago. Someone had, who was, who, you know, sort of had some dealings with the club, had been reported for um, posting some crass jokes, shall we say, on their Facebook. Someone from the older generation doesn't make it acceptable, but they were the kind of things that's just not acceptable today. But it's not that person was not a bad person. And I was speaking to someone at the club and they were saying, what do you think we should do? You know, it feels like punishing this person would be really unfair on them. But likewise, they, they can't just get away with, like, saying this stuff and not realising the impact. So I said, look, why don't we just get them in and talk to them? And it was a good outcome. The guy realised what he did done wrong. He would never do that stuff again. He's now still able to go to football, but he's learned something. And I think there's so much more power to that than kicking someone outside the stadium who will then feel possibly resentful, may feel negative towards the community they've already said something or done something bad towards. So I think all in all, you know, we've potentially stopped someone getting banned, we've potentially changed their minds, and we've potentially created an ally. And I think that's the kind of change we need to see in society. In that situation where you're speaking to someone who has said things that are homophobic 
How do you keep your cool? What do you say to them? I've just chilled out a lot, if I'm honest. I've gone, I think, spending eight years working with West Ham and kind of seeing all of the different angles of things. It's made me realise that being angry is not going to fix anything. Um, I think part of it is just, you know, me maturing and mellowing over the years as well and realising that there are other ways to have conversations other than, you know... (sighs) hitting people over the head with what they've done. But were there awkward moments in those chats? I can't imagine that everyone who is confronted over their homophobia, albeit in a chatty way, takes it particularly well. No, but I think it's about maintaining the right tone, right? It's all about, you know, can you, know, can you tell me why this happened and, and, and what led to it and what was the reaction and what happened next? You actually talk them through the whole thing and it's not... And again, none of it's angled to make them feel bad. It's literally just a conversation. I don't know, it's, it's just so far they've just gone very well. It shows where Pride of Irons is making a difference. It shows where you're personally making a difference as well, Jim. And uh, we're not the only ones that think it, are we? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I'm in a particularly chipper mood today. This morning, so I, I was nominated for a National Diversity Award under the heading of um, Positive Role Model, and I found out this morning I've been um, shortlisted to the final eight. So, you know, it's quite good timing. There's just me and producer Matt here. We haven't really got much of a, we haven't really got much of a grand round of applause, but we'll do what we can. Congratulations, that's Thank a huge you. achievement. I mean, it, yeah, I, 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 honestly, it's it's really strange for me. Um, I didn't think, I. I didn't think in my wildest dreams that I'd be shortlisted. I'm making a real difference at this place, the club you love. Not bad at all, is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Double bubble. <laughs> Jim, thank you. Lovely to chat to you. Thanks very much. Cheers for having me. This is Virgin Radio Pride. Hi, Christian. My name's Stuart Matthews. I'm the chair and founder of Proud Seagulls, the LGBTQ plus and allies fan group for Brighton and Hove Albion. It's a club that is going so well, both on and off the pitch. It's such a well-run football club. Why I set this group up? Well, I'll be honest with you. um, I went to the Amex probably back in 2012. They were doing a montage of, of the players and certainly our captain at the time were on the big screen and they were just reading from a script and it was so boring and what they were basically saying is they agreed with rainbow laces or lgbt history month you know and they supported it but it didn't sound convincing and i just thought no we you know as as an lg as 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 i identify as a gay man i thought no we need to do more that there's more to be done from this i took to facebook i was on a lot of Brighton and Hove Albion Facebook groups. Um, and then we got the normal bigots that go, well, I want a, a straight pride and I want a straight group. And I'm thinking, you've already got a straight group. But anyhow, never mind. I set the group up. Overwhelmingly, all those that came forward and even the ones that didn't, that were in other groups, were coming forward, were showing so much support and so much brilliant. I'm so glad you've done this. It's just what we need. And there was another reason why I set the group up. Many years ago, there were two ladies at the club. Um, One sadly lost her life to cancer some years ago now. Liz Costa and uh, Sarah Watson. Unfortunately, Sarah's passed on, but they went to the FA and said, we've had enough. They do not identify as LGBT, but they were sick and tired of going to away games and getting homophobic verbal abuse you know we've now got you know more visibility and more groups 
a straight person doesn't understand, well, may understand, but doesn't understand fully the anger, if you like, the, the, ups, the upset it caused. Homophobic abuse isn't, I hate it. I, I, I personally, I cannot stand it. You know, I'm gay, get over it. I, I'm there to watch football. So I'd like to think that we are actually sending a very, very clear signal out that homophobia won't be tolerated. And that I hate people when they hide behind that and go, oh yeah, it's only banter. No, it's not. It's homophobic, clear and simple. The same as, you know, racist abuse. It's not banter, it's racist abuse and it is unacceptable. This is the reason why we have an LGBT supporters group. Virgin Radio Pride. You're listening to the rise of LGBT plus football fan groups on Virgin Radio Pride with me, Christian Hugill. Hello. We're off to the West Midlands in a minute. But first, it's all very well me saying LGBT plus football fan groups are important and on the up. But I'm far from an expert in anything, really. Fortunately, I know a man who is. Rishi Madliani is one of the co-chairs of Pride in Football. It's the group which brings together all the LGBT plus football fan groups. Hey, Rishi. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? Rishi, I'm well. You have a real overview of the important work these groups do all over the country. One area I'm keen to talk about is the international nature of football. How do the fan groups help when it comes to things like players coming to play here who might be from countries that, you know, have an awful lot of homophobia? Well, this is really tricky. And I think uh, as in you're coming, you've got players from all sorts of different countries where, you know, we know that still is it 50, 60 countries in the country in the world where you and I could be executed for being uh, LGBT today. You know, in 2022, we still have that. So we know that they come from different backgrounds. But I think the key thing is showing that and this is where the support from the footballing authorities makes a huge difference. So things like the FA marching at Pride and showing that this is part of our football and how our football runs the Premier League's unequivocal support. And I remember uh, going to a Stonewall conference and seeing uh, Bill Bush, who's sort of one of the directors at uh, the Premier League, saying that, no, we don't care. If, if, if you're homophobic, there's no space for that in, in our football. And actually the clubs have a, a duty to do to make sure that football is a safe space. And that, that might be education, it might be, you know, it may be just helping players to realise that actually this is the this is the nation we, they live and play in that pays their <laughs> their wages are paid and actually we provide that education and support first and foremost and help to educate fundamentally because there will be you know LGBT people in those countries as well and they can play such a role um, it's particularly you know where, where players might post things it's really important to work with fan groups to actually you know ultimately. LGBT fans have always existed and we can help to, to help help to, to, to remove these myths uh, about us. Yeah, and I know some fan groups have worked with clubs to educate some individual players, but there are other examples, aren't there? Even um, actually the probably good example is um, I know uh, fa- uh, members of the Proud Slopians and Watford's uh, LGBT fan group, the Proud Hornets, both um, raised issues with concern about the Qatar team playing against their team. And just, just to illustrate this as an example, and actually as a result of the dialogue with their fan groups, the clubs chose not to have those friendlies. I'm sure they would have made the money and they made that decision that this is the right thing to do. This is not the right signal that their clubs wanted to send. Um, a lot of this is about education. You know, we know there is a small percentage of, you know, Neanderthals, I call them, who will never, you know, and actually I'm not going to spend any of my energy with them. Forget about them. But the majority of the public, and we've seen, you know, hearts and minds shift, you know, from you're a bit younger than me, Chris, but like when we were growing up, you've seen like society's changed 
dramatically. You know, we're marching at Pride on Saturday, watching one of the, the children of one of our uh, my colleagues um, dancing along at Pride and being an out. 10 year old kid is just incredible like that couldn't imagine that 20 years ago and it's just fantastic to see and you know speaking to this young lad for example where it's not been you know no bullying and the schools have been supportive well, that's how we change society and similarly through football we can change that through working with our clubs sure now the stories of the groups working with football clubs themselves that we've heard in this program have largely been very positive Still not always the case, though, is it? I think I'd say, yeah, I'd, I'd say there, there, is a, there is some small flies in the ointment, unfortunately. And as we've seen, we've got some issues with some less responsible owners. We've got some challenges to come where we don't know how, how, it will, how th- certain things will play out. But the majority of the clubs we see engaging and we're seeing more visibility of LGBT fans. And that is only a good thing. I know those cases are rare and I know Pride in Football works with football's authorities to try and educate them on things they should be including in their criteria that they have for people who want to become fit and proper football club owners. But just finally, Rishi, give us an idea how many fan groups there are now. We reckon it's in the, in the mid-50s at the moment and, uh, as I say, the magic 92 number that we all, we all think of, uh, even though it's cheating slightly because I've got Scottish clubs in there, is, is, is the big target. And, you know, I really also want to see all four home nations having a group, you know. Um, I'd, I'd love to see one in Northern Ireland and Scotland. I know there's, there's conversations about that, so it'd be really good to see that and have some more banter as well, you know. This is also going to be a bit of fun about this. Yes, there are 92 football league clubs. And Rishi, been a pleasure talking to you. Good luck with hitting that magic number. <laughs> yeah, I may not get it this year, but I will, we will get there in the end. We'll, we might not win the battle, we'll win the war. <laughs> Virgin Radio Pride. And before we go, all of the LGBT plus football fan groups you've been hearing from would love you to get involved. And as Rishi was saying, there are loads more up and down the UK. Even whilst making this programme, some new ones have joined the party. Proud, honest men of Air United being one of those. Welcome to you. We've put all the details on just how you can get involved and find your club's LGBT plus fan group online. Just search Virgin Radio Pride or head to virginradio.co.uk. And we should also thank our friends at TalkSport for providing some of the Premier League commentary you've been hearing, which will, of course, continue this season on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. Finally, though, there is one more person I'd like you to meet. And she supports West Bromwich Albion. The Baggies can be a tricky club to follow, largely as they're known for being a bit of a yo-yo club. They tend to get promoted a lot. And then relegated. And down. Promoted. Uh. And relegated. And down. Promoted. Uh. And relegated. And down. Anyway, you get the idea with that. Hi, my name's Claire Byatt, and I'm a big supporter of uh, West Bromwich Albion, and I'm a member of the Proud Baggies LGBTQ. Uh, group and I am a transgender female. Claire, how did you fall in love with West Brom? My dad. My dad took me in 1974 and and uh, it was just an overwhelming sound to hear about, you know, the crowd and the game and it was just, uh, football just blew me away and I've been a football fan ever since. And Claire, most people we've heard from in this programme um, have sort of come to a point where they've struggled a bit with football because of being LGBT+. Was that the same for you? 
I think at the, the point when I was getting to my middle age, not necessarily when I was younger, uh, as I was getting to my middle age, I was finding it all more difficult to suppress how I felt because uh, up until last August, I was going as my previous, in my previous uh, life, you know, as a man. Uh, and you hear, you know, all sorts of unsavory stuff. And, and I just I just knew at some point it was either I never go again or maybe watch the Albion ladies because there was a bit more, I felt it was a bit more inclusive. So what, what was it in particular that you struggled with at the football? Football's always played a major part in my life, as I said, from, from a very early age. I think I was nine when I went to, to watch my first game. Um, and I always knew that, yeah, I was there was something not right. I was trying, you know, I was transgender. It's actually coming to terms and admitting it about yourself. Um, so it was easier to go to get the game as a man. But I knew at some point the decision would have to be made that I would go uh, as a female, and and how that how that would be for me. What kind of reception would I get? Um, and I think it created a lot of anxiety within me over the last. I guess, I guess to some degree, three to four or five years, you know, yes, we've had COVID and all that, but, but it was a time when I just felt I could have walked away from watching football and I didn't want to because it's, it's, it's part of my life. When did you first start to realise your trans, Claire? Uh, I, I guess really I've, I've been divorced six years, so but probably I always knew, you know, deep down as a child, but it's just admitting it and it's like, would that it's, it was like a dream would that dream ever come true and it has but there was times when you think it it wouldn't have done uh so I, you know i've been i've been like it since a child uh and it's just a case of just like over the years suppressing it doing what everybody expects you to do and get married and and i don't regret none of that i've got two wonderful children i've got a grandson um and and the fact is at some points in your life if you don't do something about it, it was just eating away at me. So I guess in my 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 forties, when the kids had grown up, and I just felt I don't know how I, I can cope with this anymore, and it was a case of just sort of like trying to suppress it, but it just kept coming back and coming back to the such point where about ten years ago, I I, I came out to my um my the the, the children's mum. Um, and then it just it just went from there. The divorce, you know, I live on my own um, and with my two cats now, uh, and and I live fully as a female. But um, the, the the whole transition process for the medical side of it has been like f- four years. So that that's hormones, that's you know different bits and pieces, and it was a two year wait uh, to be referred by my GP to go to the gender clinic, which I think is even more now. It's sort of three to four years now. So it's, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are looking to transition that are just, you know, obviously there's a piece... For me, it was like a piece of the jigsaw that was missing and now that that piece has been put in place and I feel a lot happier. Once Claire had told those closest to her about being trans, she started to think about how to approach being her true self in other areas of her life. She came out to people in her choir and some of the groups she'd been going to football with. Of course, none of that was easy. And I should warn you, some of what we are about to talk about in the next few minutes is upsetting. All my friends have been super supportive. Um, work, not so much. Some people don't get it. Family has caused me an issue as also. So, 
You know, I've lost members of my families that don't necessarily want to see me anymore. They don't see me um, like that. So there are good parts of it, but there are bad parts of it as well. And you just wish that everybody would just see you for the person that you are. You know, I've not changed particularly apart from my external look. Um, and the four years on hormones has, has obviously softened my features. Um, but I can honestly say that I'm, I'm probably the happiest I've ever been. The other thing, the other thing that's happened is that my I lost my brother, my older brother. My dad died before Christmas, and my aunt died in January. So it's like, well, life. If every you find that life is very short, and you you blink and you miss something, and you can't get back to what that was. So, for me, to transition and do what I need to do to make me happy, one hundred percent, it was important that I did it now and not wait till I retire when. You know, people say, well, why don't you wait till you finish work? Well, you know, my brother never made retirement, so it's like, well, do everything now, live live for the now and uh, and enjoy yourself because as you get older, you might not be able to do the things that you can do now. I knew last year on my birthday um, that it was time for me to, to be Claire full-time and then obviously go. I went to my first football match, which was great, and um, I've never looked back. That must have been difficult, that that first match as Claire. Oh, massively. I mean, when I walked, I moved I moved stand because my dad, uh, I was sitting in my dad's seat and I just felt I needed a fresh start. So I moved from one side of the ground to the other. But um, And when I walked into the ground and, uh, and you see the pitch, you see the goals, you see the, the, the stadium and it's starting to fill up, was uh, really overwhelming. It was like... I couldn't. It's it's hard to put it into words how it how it felt to come back, and to be me, the real me, and, and watch my first game. And I've just loved it. I love it. the season wasn't great, footballing wise. Outside of that, for me, just to go and be who I want to be uh, was just awesome. How important was proud baggies in that road to being able to go to the football as your true self? Oh, huge! They 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 they've set up pretty much everything for me. Um, if you got any issues, we've got a WhatsApp group. You know, we we can fire things on the group. We meet up, and it's opened a lot of avenues for me. And I've made and I've made I've made new friends, and I think that where whereas before, as Dave, I didn't have many friends. You know, I've got a lot more people I can reach out to. You know, if there's any issues, there's always someone on the end of the phone, or a text, or a WhatsApp message, or whatever. That, that that you know will 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 support you or give you advice, and and the prayer baggies have been instrumental in that. I I couldn't thank them enough. And I'm not just talking about how important proud baggies has been in terms of getting you to the football, but how important has it been given the journey you've been on in your life to you personally? They've in in a few words, there's a few things that have probably saved my life before at, at such point before I tra- transitioned and I. Started living on my own and I sing in a choir and I pray baggies. These are the two things that really have changed my life and saved my life because, you know, there is, not not to go into great detail, but there's a lot of people out there, transgender, that, that do attempt suicide because they don't know how to cope. Uh, and, and in a lot of ways, there's not enough support out there. Um, and, and we're just human beings at the end of the day. We're no different to anybody else. Uh, and... Um, Everybody needs has that right to be happy, um, and 
my life has changed dramatically over the last 10 years with various things that I've got involved with. And Proud Bag has been a big part of my life now. And the people that I've met through the Proud Bag is, have, been, have been fantastic, you know. And it's all about supporting people and you're not feeling as though you're on your own. Because I think at the end of the day is that you, as a transgender female, is that you think you're the only one and you're not the only one. Uh, but there are other out, people out there. And it's a case when you meet up with people, you share your story. And we share experiences, and then you, and, and then, eventually, you just you can just put them to one side. Some you can laugh at, you know, that thing that may have been stressful at the time, and then later on in life, once you've settled down, you can think, well, it was an it was an experience. You can laugh about it and then move on, you know. But um, for me, it's all about moving forward. Claire, I have to say, when I started the process of making this documentary, I didn't think for a minute that. I'd hear someone say that an LGBT plus football fan group has actually saved their life. I think that's extraordinary. Mm, I think it has done because there's times in your life when you feel so, and I and I have myself, you know, I thought, well, what's it? What's it all about? Is it really worth it all in you know? But it, but you, but it is. There's a life out. There's a life out there to be lived. I wasn't living my true life. Uh, and if I didn't do anything about it, it's like, well, where do I go from here? Am I at a point where, you know, ending it is 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 an is an option, and I don't want that to be because there's too many people that will get hurt. But I have to say that um, having these support groups are fundamental for people like us. You know, if you're transgender, whether you're gay or bisexual or whatever it is, you know, they're fun they're fundamental for us because. They offer support out there. You're not alone. And I think too many people think that they're alone um, and they don't know where to reach out to. And Albion's my club. You know, I've supported them all my life. You know, I'm 57 in, in a few few months' time. And, and basically, you know, it, 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 as I say, my dad introduced me to it all and I've, I thank him for it. Um, and I'm now on a different path. I'm on the right path. Um, and and I've got the right people around me. But the proud baggies itself have allowed me to go and watch football in my true, authentic self, and that I could only ever be grateful for. I couldn't thank them enough for it. It's been a wonderful... It's it's a wonderful time, you know, and it's, it's a great journey to be on with them, and um, long may it continue. Claire, I think you're amazing. Thank you so much. Lovely, thank you. I thought I knew how important LGBT plus football fan groups were before making this documentary. I didn't. I didn't realise they'd enabled some people to invite those they love the most into a world that means everything to them. I didn't realise quite how many people they'd helped to get over a fear of violence or discrimination at the football. I didn't realise how many straight people they'd helped to just, well, get it. I didn't realise there were people who just wouldn't go to the football at all without them. And I definitely, definitely didn't realise that for some, they've been life-saving. I want to say a huge thank you to every single person who shared their personal stories with us. I hope you've enjoyed finding out about the rise of LGBT plus football fan groups as much as I have. This is Virgin Radio Pride. Thanks for listening. The Virgin Radio Pridecast, proudly supported by Disney Plus, celebrating every colour of the rainbow.